Karen Dawson, one of the co-hosts of Privacy Abbreviated. Donna, I'm really looking forward to hosting this podcast with you. Thank you so much, Catherine. I, I, I am too. I'm Donna Frazier, Senior Vice President of Privacy Initiatives at BBB National Programs. And I think, you know, when we started talking about what this podcast could and should be, I realized that one of our commonalities, even though we come to industry and the privacy space from different sides of it, is our focus on small to medium-sized companies and, and how to make sure that they can navigate this space, that they have the tools to do so, that they have the resources to do so, because we know that the challenges for them are so great. Everything from you know being resource challenged from people to money to access. Um, and I think our hope is with this podcast that we can actually be a resource for those small to medium-sized companies. I hope so too. I think it's a really complicated compliance landscape for small and medium businesses. And with this podcast, we can give business leaders takeaways that they can use as they go forward trying to build brand trust around privacy and also comply with the new requirements that are coming online in 2023. Right. So it's interesting to think about, okay, there's all these privacy laws as he highlighted that companies need to comply with, both here and abroad. Again, I think what gets lost in that conversation is the impact of these laws on small to medium-sized companies versus larger companies, on the ability to comply, and also just the ability to know. Many of these small to medium-sized companies, as I'm sure you know, don't even know what they don't know. Right. Um, Right? So where do they even begin to find information? Where do they go? And then once they're faced with it, what do they do with it? So I'm really hoping this podcast will give business leaders a roadmap of things they need to start planning for in order to meet their compliance requirements, but also a broader sense of what privacy topics are important today and what will be important in the next few years as we look forward to things like wearables and the metaverse and biometric uh, information and gathering and processing As businesses look forward in trying to plan strategically and understand what kind of compliance requirements their businesses will face, hopefully this podcast will give folks a good roadmap. And I think the privacy space makes it difficult to do long-term planning in many ways, right? I think companies can create a privacy culture and hopefully can find ways to be nimble as the privacy landscape changes. But technology, if we're dealing with small and medium-sized companies who are creating great new technologies, they're moving ahead of the logs. So how do they continue to just you know, embrace this privacy-compliant culture internally, grow their companies, grow their products, but still keep their eye on what's happening with regards to guidelines, laws, restrictions, guardrails? You know, so I think it is very challenging. And I am someone who embraces technology I'm one of the, you know, I'm always the one out the door first to grab the new thing on the shelf. I have five different phones on my desk. I love technology, but I also understand the tech, the, the challenges that companies are faced with in building this sort of stuff. And they can think five, 10 years ahead of something, and we may not see it on the shelf for another five years. And in those five years, the whole landscape can shift, right? 2017, that we didn't have any of this. So five years, if that's the product line for something, right, that's the product life to get something from idea to shelf, or even less than that, what are we dealing with on the landscape, right? So I think it's just very fascinating and really interesting. 
just how it all works together. And I think that my hope is that our conversations here will, I think, help guide companies just to really think about what the issues are. Because even if there are no laws that address them, they just need to be aware of the issues. And they can be the forward-thinking actors in this space by doing something different. I think that's a great point. And we certainly don't want to end up in a place where privacy law has stifled technology innovation, right? That's that's not a great place to land for anyone. So it's sort of under, helping companies understand uh, how to do both well. Exactly. So I think we have so many things to talk about in this season. So I'm really looking forward to, especially the conversation about metaverse, because that seems to be on everyone's list to talk about. So it'll be really interesting. I have to ask you, Donna, have you um, been to the metaverse? Do you enjoy it? <laughs> I, have been, I have been to the metaverse. I have a couple of different avatars. I have my Oculus. I am engaging. What do you like to do in the metaverse? I just walk around. I'm, just, I'm an observer. Much like in life, I'm an observer in, in the metaverse. I'm a dancer in the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, have a couple of dance parties. I've joined a couple of dance parties on the They're side. Fun. Yeah. At my company, Osano, we often—I uh, wouldn't say often, but we we periodically have company meetings in the metaverse. And everyone at the company has was given an Oculus when we joined, uh, and we we do have meetings and uh, company events or happy hours, golf tournaments, and uh, even a Christmas party here and there in the metaverse. And I think it's actually a really a fun way to get to know and experience. And we're a fully remote company, so it's sort of an, an easy add-on for us. But I really like it. And I think, you know, they, I don't, I know the games and dance uh, games in particular are fairly expensive, but I feel like a lot of innovation and uh, brain power went into creating those. And, and, and I think they're a lot of fun. They are. They are. And I'm, I'm a gamer at heart. My history is is, is with games. So I, I am a gamer at heart. So I'm, I'm just really interested and fascinated by what I'm seeing. But of course, there are pitfalls, we know, and we'll talk about that in further episodes. But there are some huge, huge challenges and pitfalls for companies um, in the metaverse. I mean, it is reminiscent of, you know, when the Internet started years ago, right? It's, it's the same thing, just a different iteration, um, different technology, but some of the same challenges. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it, how it all pans out. Yeah. How do, I mean, how do you get consent, for example? Right. I know? ask that question all the time. I know. How do you do consent in the metaverse? A meaningful uh, consent. And, you know, you have 13 year old pops on an Oculus and, right. and how does the, how does the game know it's a 13 year old versus, well, actually they probably do know cause they're collecting so much biometric information. <laughs> right. Right. That's it. Right. That's the other issue. They do know. They may not want to know. They may discover that down the line they don't want to know. Right. right. Um, so, you know, what does actual knowledge look like? What is that? What, what is what kind of standards does that create for companies? What kind of challenges does that create for companies? So I think consent, notice, choice, all that sort of stuff that we still haven't even gotten right in a regular online environment on websites is just enhanced greatly in a metaverse environment. So I think the wearables market is is fascinating to me as well. I think the, especially I'm kind of a wellness and, and health nut. And so anything that can help me improve my sleep or eat better or drink more water, those kinds of things, I'm naturally drawn to. But at the same time, if I'm wearing a device that is collecting 
so much health data, uh, sort of, you know, as a privacy lawyer, I'm not quite there yet with it in lots of ways, although I do certainly wear a couple of things. But how do you feel about it? Are you, have you embraced wearables other than sort of a smartwatch? Yeah, no, I, I have. I mean, for years I had a Fitbit. I switched kind of to my Apple Watch. I may go back to my Fitbit in part because of the connected car issue, right? So my watch is connected to my phone. My phone's connected to my car. I don't know if I want all that data going to the car. Oh, interesting. Um, because there are now cars that are able to um, identify whether or not you, your, your heart is racing. Um, your blood pressure is high, right? So you'll get alerts about, you know, um, you may want to pull over, you know, or slow down or whatever. If, if you're, if, you know, your, your heart rate is low, you may want to stop at Starbucks a mile ahead and get a cup of coffee. I don't need those kind of distractions while I'm driving and I don't need them to know what's going on with me <laughs> to that right. extent. So um, I just feel like I have actually disconnected my watch from my phone when I get in the car. Interesting. So I, I'm just, the whole connected car thing is a whole nother ball of wax with regards to all the data that's collected there because there's so many different entities that get that data and we're not even sure who's getting it how long they're they're accessing it where it's going who they're sharing it with so that's a whole nother i think that's season two i think connected cars is season two i'm predicting a season two that's season two and i think it's it's really interesting sort of where the line is right where's the line between these technologies that are really helpful and life improving or life saving even sometimes versus too intrusive. And the trick is that, you know, the, all these technologies are a bit different and people are different. You, Mm -hmm. you and I have probably different sort of thresholds for what's too much and what we're comfortable sharing and on what level and what we're not. And so it's really challenging for companies to try to figure out where to draw the line. Right. Right. And, and I think the other challenge is on the consumer side, how do you easily inform them without burying it all in a 60 page privacy policy that nobody is reading? How do they know what's happening? How, how do you succinctly tell them that here's the data that we've collected, here's who we're sharing it with, and here's why, right? I mean, when we talk about short form privacy policy, those are the three buckets. Right. Um, and I think, you know, the why is, is what connects the dots. When people understand why, then you're more likely to opt in. But you've got to tell them the why. And I think people also want to have redress, right? They want to know, well, where do I go if I'm having a problem, if I have a complaint, whatever it is. But we've got to find a way, I think, to be more transparent and easily informative. It's, it's easy, again, to do it on a website where you could have pop-ups, right? But again... If we're dealing in the metaverse, what does that look like? Because we have to think about the user experience as well. And companies are going to say, I don't want to burden down the user experience with all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And the UI is very important. That user experience is really critical. And and getting people to the enjoyment factor of whatever it is you're trying to provide to them, you want to shorten that window as much as possible. And it gives us enough to talk about for multiple seasons to come. Yes. Absolutely. We've got lots to cover. (laughs)